Hello everyone, welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology, and with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover on the show, feel free to email us at fromnowheretonothingpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on our Facebook page. All of us, at one time or another, find ourselves wishing for a good thing to happen. This statement is so obvious, it's banal, since nearly all of us hope that good things will happen to us all of the time. But as is often the case here on the show, we're about to take the commonplace perception and poke and prod it into being bizarre. <laughs> Today, we're examining what it means to hope. <laughs> that makes us sound rather like a deranged uh, <laughs> reshapers of thought. It's some, some, some kind of Jack Kirby creation from the 1970s. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I just don't know if it makes us uh, superheroes or supervillains. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> you know, I mean, as, as you said, from sometimes we get comments that we can just twist the uh, conception of villain into being a hero, and then there we are. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> so, what is hope <laughs> if we go with the with the definition hope is uh, goes back many many hundreds many many years it's a kind of trust theologically uh, it was canted to be a trust in god or a trust in what is or what is to be it gets very Hamlet-like, um, something that is or something that'll be so, but it also has this uh, sometimes not known other kind of definition, but quality. Um, hope, generally for us, is connoted. The connotation is positive, but in its most ancient form, um, elpis, hope could equally be good or ill. <laughs> so when you, when you hope for something or um, you are sure that something will happen, well, you can be sure that something terrible <laughs> is going <laughs> to happen, and that could be read as a kind of strange variant on hope. Yeah, yeah, so already we have this... Uh interesting uh presentation of opposites but you said something else that was interesting in there so that um early on you know you're thinking about hope in in god right yeah that sounds a lot like faith is there yes. a, a distinguishing factor between the two is is faith more than just hope in in god philosophically yes because philosophically <laughs> hope is generally focused on the future and faith can have to do with what is now, or what what takes place what takes place now. Um, faith is not always a positive thing. It, it, faith is about evil and about uh, the evil that men do, <laughs> as Mark Antony might say in Shakespeare. And so, uh, hope is a narrower. It's not the same thing. Okay. Yeah, and so we'll be looking at hope in, in relationship to other <coughs> other concepts in a little bit here. Um, 
So is, is hope an emotion, a virtue, a, a motivational or coping mechanism? Is it all of these things? What is, you it's, know? It's when, been all these things to, um, you know, you and I both read the, as, as our, our touch base always is the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which we say each week, this is free. You can go online and you can read to your heart's content about any philosophical concept and you will learn amazing things and have countless questions. Um, but we use that as a touch base because it's very thorough and it's, and it's a good academic um, place to take off from. But hope is in the eyes of philosophy and history has sometimes been each of these things, but in, in the overarching or through line, um, hope, uh, can be passive or active. Um, I, I have hope. Okay, well, I have it, and so what? Mm. Or I hope, which is an act of I do this thing. And more often than not, it is, it is taken as an enactment, uh, a, an, an act of a, a movement, a, of taking agency. And so there, there's a, pl a place at which uh, philosophers will say, well, it's, you can be, you can be uh, fearful and, and cowardly and full of hope. Uh, you, uh, uh, and, ha and have hope. Um, and you don't, you're not courageous just because you have hope, but you can't be courageous if you don't. Hmm. Which would imply uh, a building in of not just a passiveness, but a, uh, if I have hope, there's something I must do in order to try to help make that hope take place, the, the focus of that hope. Yeah, yeah, no, the article, the article was, was interesting, and it, it lays out, um, you know, sort of the syllogism or the, or the, uh, the things that are necessary in order to have hope. Do you want to, yeah. You know, sort of expound upon how philosophers have have conceptualized hope. I never expound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how they've how, how hope is well, sure. Uh, there are three, and and the article mentions them, and I think that I, I want to take on the three. So uh, Thomas Aquinas, who we've encountered before. I am expounding uh, <laughs> previously on from nowhere to nothing uh, was, you know, he was a 13th century figure of great renown of scholastic ability of, 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 of his writing has immense effect on people from his moment on. Uh, he says, hope is grounded in some desired future that is both possible to achieve but also very difficult so from aquinas's viewpoint <clears throat> hope is a when you say hope is grounded it's a what, what do you think of with the word grounded it seems as uh, something concrete or um it almost makes it sound almost realized already it's, as if and but that kind of is antithetical to the idea of hope. Hope is. And what do we do when we ground something? Uh, when, when we put up a, a, a tall 
building or what does that mean to ground it? I mean, it's uh, establishing a stable or sort of stationary place. So, so, so it's sort of an anchor and it's yeah. trying, so if lightning hits, mm -hmm. it won't destroy the, the structure. It'll be carried into the ground, right? It's a, so it's a control of impossibly powerful forces. Hmm. or an attempt to and, and that's how so when hope is grounded so hope is lightning hmm. is grounded in some desired future that is both possible but difficult to achieve so it doesn't just happen because you hope for it to happen you work toward it and it may not happen in the ways that you thought it may not be a it may be a very different result than what you had hoped but it might take you closer and deeper to who you are and to and to what your relationship with the world is. That's a really interesting take on it, right? Because I think that many of us, when we think about hoping for something, it's a specific thing that we have in mind. And so therefore, a deviation from that specific thing would be looked at um, as, as not a failure, but, but as not what you hoped for. Um, but as a, as Aquinas laid it out, and as you've interpreted it there, um, hope is sort of uh, trying to harness the lightning, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about the colloquialism, right? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, you yes. know, this idea of, of working towards something and hoping for something, um, but being unsure of where you're going to get and if the thing that you get might be much better or much worse than what it was or much different that you couldn't have, have anticipated yeah that's that's a cool concept that that's that's the one that really grounds me because it's, it's there's so much of movement and energy mm. in it whereas and aquinas would says that despair just undermines any of the arduous any of the uh, difficult work that you might undertake because you've already pretty much made sure it's not going to happen hmm. in your despair. Um, so you, you block yourself and you know, you, you and I both engage in various practices of, of meditative work and, and it's not a robotic thing and it's and it's and you can come to realizations however small they might be epiphanic realizations tiny realizations but that tell you something about yourself and your relationship to the world but they can be surprising and that can be hopeful because you can I've, to me hope is in part surprise it is in part being able to realize that uh, yet again, how many times in a minute do we realize this, that you, you don't know everything, that you can constantly not uh, suddenly learn five things in the space of a half an hour that might utterly change how you see something that's going on. There's hope in that. We'll leave it at that. That's Aquinas. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, and then there's... Uh, 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 a person uh, named Ernest Bloch. Uh, he was he was German. He was a Marxist philosopher, uh, and Hegel uh, influenced him. We've talked about Hegel before, but and but he also had um, he was influenced by apocalyptic uh, or eschatological religious 
thinkers too. So he says hope is superior to fear. It's not passive. He has that in common. Uh, the fear is passive. Fear paralyzes you. Little side side sidetrack. I want to hear at some point from you again back to the military training. If isn't is that what they teach you? That you know. So I want you to uh, come to that maybe. Uh, so fear is passive and paralyzing. Um, this is interesting. Hope is superior to fear. It's not passive like fear. It's not locked into nothingness mm. like fear. We're touching base with our our stuff. The emotion of hope, and this is, he says it's an emotion. Um, Aquinas isn't really tagging it as an emotion so much, I think. The emotion of hope goes out of itself and makes people broad instead of confining them. Mm. And 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 because we cannot know nearly enough, and so we move outwardly to know more. Yeah, this this idea of um, that you've used a couple different times, passive versus active, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that with hope, it seems pretty pretty obvious, right? That okay, passive hope, you know, I have hope, right? You're not you're not looking at anything in particular, just saying I have hope, right? Versus I hope that this. Um, but with fear, it's not immediately obvious to me that fear is a passive emotion, right? Because if I am confronted by a bear in the woods, I have a very um, active <laughs> conception of what it is I'm afraid of. Right? Yes, yes. And yeah. so, you know, this this idea of passive versus active, um, I think that that's sort of an interesting sticking point in the conversation because Aquinas's conception of of hope as well um to me that seems applicable to a passive conception of hope but for an active conception of hope right if i'm if i'm hoping for a specific thing right i'm hoping that i um uh, let's I, I can't even think of anything win the lottery or something right yeah. if i if i don't do that then um there's really in terms of harnessing the lightning, right? Getting something much better or much worse. No, it's pretty much binary, right? You either win the lottery or you don't win yeah, the right, lottery, right, right? right? And so in that case, Aquinas's conception doesn't seem to be as applicable. And here, um, the other, in Ernest, what was his the last Ernest name? Block. Ernest Block. Ernest Block. Yeah. With him, right? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the conjecture, right, that fear is a passive emotion doesn't really ring true to me either because it seems on face value that you can conceptualize many scenarios where fear could be a very active emotion, right? So, what do, you, what do you do with fear? How, what, what's the relationship between fear and action? I think that's what okay. he's yeah, yeah. going to. All right, yeah, I think, but I think that fear, fear can motivate action mm -hmm. um and as a matter of fact you know i think that we've all heard the the saying that courage isn't um action and isn't the absence of fear courage is acting in the face of fear right right so i think that fear has the ability to motivate action unless you are unless your conception of the action is motivated by a competing emotion um, an emotion that's competing with fear. Okay, and I and I would argue that fear, uh, in which you take action, 
to counter that which is causing the fear. A bear, yeah, <laughs> um, is an is an act of almost automatic hope. Yeah. So yeah, you're paralyzed. Okay, I'm dead. Yeah, physiologically, right? You have uh, you, you, you do something. Yeah, physiologically, you have three responses, right? You have your uh, limbic cortical amygdala loop, where um, if you're confronted with a bear, right, your amygdala is going to to say, "Hey, we don't have time to to send this all the way up to the prefrontal cortex <laughs> to figure out what we're going to do. We have to do something right now." And that right now options are usually limited to three things: you can either fight the bear. You can run away from the bear or you can freeze completely, right? Um, but two out of those three are active, right? Hmm. Really only freezing is the only passive thing where no action is taking place. So, But, yeah, I, but it, it is an action, isn't it? I choose to freeze. I choose to go down to the ground, cover my head. But you could make the case that there's no, there's no choice involved at all because the the executive functions of the brain have not been had any any say in the matter right? so like the enterprise who's in the command street yes <laughs> <laughs> which of the many of us inside takes over and says you know drop <laughs> well did i choose that no the body just says drop it's, uh, yeah and then of course there's the, there's the bigger <laughs> conversation about whether the sec central executive your prefrontal cortex <laughs> is actually in charge of making decisions or is just an observer of the decisions being made so um and that's a whole different discussion we don't we don't have to get through that rabbit hole yeah. but um yeah this idea of passive versus active in terms of hope in terms of fear in terms of how we conceptualize the things we don't have to say any more about it, but I just think it's an important thing for listeners to be chewing on themselves as we continue uh, oh, to bring I, I up these, these ideas. Now, Aquinas says hope is a willful thing. Will as in you will yourself toward it. Um, and then there's Mar uh, Gabriel Marcel, who died in 1973, which for some listeners was an age ago, but for me not so much. <laughs> um, and he was Catholic. And um, in, in the late 1920s, um, he was uh, writing what he th he called Christian existentialism, and was uh, encountering Sartre. Uh, but he he got into arguments about that. But for him, hope is a way of overcoming the inevitable difficulty of life. If we go back to Thomas Hobbes, and sometimes I think Hobbes was right. Thomas Hobbes says life is. Um, bloody brutish and short, unless you have uh, given total control to some kind of uh, supreme authority, whatever that happens to be. And, uh, and because if life is nothing but a whole set of trials and then you die, that's pretty grim. The Stoics don't have much use for hope because they say it's all in the future and you're and you're forgetting to deal with what's happening right now um so we have that have that going on but um but uh, uh, gabriel marcel says hope is situated within the framework of the trial not only corresponding to it but constituting our being's veritable response the, the trial is a potential cause of despair in which subjects go to pieces or lose themselves. So there is no hope without the temptation to despair. And hope is the act 
by which this temptation is victoriously overcome. So it's like saying there's no darkness without light. Hmm. Okay, there's no hope without the active, uh, immediate presence of despair, because it has to have something to push against. Interesting. Yeah, and that's this is going to be a good foreshadowing of some of the speculative questions that I'll ask towards the end of the, okay. the podcast. But, so yeah, that's that was a great conversation on sort of the formative thought on hope. Um, let's let's separate hope out a little bit more from some similar concepts before we move on. Mm-hmm. So what separates hope from a want or a wish or a belief? You know, how does it how does it distinguish itself from these things? I think a lot of people don't distinguish the, those things. And I don't say that in a snobbish academic way. I just think it gets all conflated. But but for me, that, um, and I think philosophically, some of the differences are that a wish, well, let's take a playful thing. A wish is something you'd ask a, a, a jinn to grant or a genie or, you know, it's, it's you, um, I wish for the lottery. <laughs> Well, I can take an action. I can buy lottery tickets, but we know the probability is it's still not going to work, but for a few people it does. Um, a desire is something that is totally in one's mind uh, and has to do with something in the future, however close the future might be, but the only, but it's not hope. In the, in the sense that there's nothing being done to achieve the desire. And then when you get, well, you know, that is the old, old maxims about things like beware what you wish for. Well, beware what you desire because it may come to pass and, and it might be marvelous and it might also complicate life a whole lot. So I think that a desire is a, is a, is a want, but a but a hope is more of a bridge. Yeah, I think that um, I think a yes. wish, right? A wish um, is it can be completely fantastical, right? I can wish that I could fly, or I can wish that I was um, there to see Isaac Newton discover <laughs> the different um, you know spectrums of light. These sorts of things that are impossible, right? It's it's either going to the past or it's going to an impossibility. Whereas, you're Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Whereas. Um, <laughs> Like we talked about with with hope, right? Um, generally, hope has been thought of as something that has a non-zero probability of occurring, um, and and usually has something that is acquired through action. So, I think a wish is 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 pretty easy to discount. And we've talked about at the beginning about the difference between hope and and faith or belief. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, want a want or or a desire. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. So desire specifically, I, I understand. How about a, how about want? I I want to. Do you think that you know, if I were to say I I want, um, I think that the difference there, right? Want might be too within the reach right because hope yeah. generally refers yeah. to something that that has a a lower probability of happening right it's farther uh you know i want a double mac burger yeah right okay well if i can get myself down to the local golden arches so to speak then i guess they're not golden arches anymore but <laughs> <laughs> and i have the shekels i can 
Right. Yeah, but so yeah, I agree with you. Want is a, a lower uh, form of maybe a, a distant cousin. Right. Hope, hope has to have. So the dimensions of hope that are emerging are, are something that has a, a low but not zero probability of, of happening. Mm -hmm. So is a goal needed for hope to exist? And I think this is where the active and the passive comes into play, right? Yeah, so what, if, if, if we take a, if, uh, if uh, people do this at New Year's, I wish people wouldn't do this to themselves. I, I used to do this at New Year's even, it's a great liberation not to do it. Either, because either you're doing the things uh, to work toward being the person that you want to be, or you're not, and stating them all on a night before a new year, well, that, that's a fun ritual, but many people don't adhere to it. Why? Because, well, maybe they didn't really mean it, or they don't have the hope <laughs> that it can actually happen. So you set a goal. All right, what's, what is, that's a pretty amorphous word. Hmm. Goal can encompass anything from losing five pounds to uh, achieving uh, becoming the head of the corporation that you work for, or any of those things. Is, uh, do we agree about that? A goal yeah. can be yeah. tiny or huge. But if we set a goal, we think that it's achievable. I think a goal is still less than what hope is about, because a goal, we, we think it might be realistic to accomplish. We, for us, we set a goal that we think we can accomplish. Yeah, so it sounds like, um, a, well, it's, so I guess what we're determining now is whether a goal is a necessary... Um, is it necessary to hope? Yeah, so, so I think that certainly there are some goals that do not require hope. Right. I have the goal of um, speaking articulately during this podcast, or at least finishing the podcast, right? <laughs> well, there's a good chance we're going to finish it, even if it is ugly, right? I'll, I'll finish the podcast. So I have that goal, and that's highly attainable. So I don't need to hope for it, right? Right. I can want it. Um, mm -hmm. I can desire it. Um, but there's no need to wish for it, right? Because barring the, you know, a power failure or, or the universe like that isn't grounded the universe collapsing into a true <laughs> vacuum state right we'll make it there um so yeah so i think if a goal is small enough there's no hope required but if a goal is big right yeah like you said becoming ceo or president or you know doing something that um requires some effortful exertion yep it seems as if in that situation again where the probability is low but not zero, that perhaps hope might be necessary? Okay, I think it's, I think it's necessary. Uh, I think it can have a place of necessariness uh, along a, a spectrum. But it's, um, and this is just me. This is me as reader of philosophy, not presenting like, I don't know everything about it. I just, to me, it's, it's more, um, the the um, the stakes are higher. Mm. Um, you know, I I I I hope that one of my dearest friends can stop being in pain from constant pain. 
um, from a series of things that have happened to her. But I am pretty sure that's not going to happen. Nonetheless, um, engaging in a steady conversation day to day uh, to say your presence in this world is valuable. I won't stand in your way when it's not. But it, when to you it's not anymore. But but I hope that you realize this. That's pretty high stakes. Uh, I I hope certain things happen with an election coming up. I'm not entirely at all sure that that they that they will. And there are all kinds of fraught um, feelings about that potential future. That's high stakes. So for, for me, hope is, is, is higher on that ladder. Yeah. And so I, I think that, I think that the active and the passive are really are going to serve as a linchpin in the conversation at this mm -hmm. point, right? Because mm -hmm. so if we take, um, we'll just stick with CEO of the corporation because yeah, that, yeah. that seems to be Simple. a pretty, yeah. I think, I think you can hope for that. I hope that I will be CEO. But I think that the ways you go about it might change what what is actually happening, right? If I if I want to be CEO of the corporation, um, but I I just continue doing the same things that I've always done. Let's say that I I don't show up for work on time <laughs> and I don't put in a lot of effort when I'm there and yep. so on and so forth. Then really at that point it becomes a wish, probably. Mm -hmm. Yep, because um, you're not doing anything. To make it happen. In fact, you're working counter. Right. To making it happen. Whereas if I hope to become CEO, and so I put in a lot of effort towards that um, end, um, you know, how low would the probability have to be before the hope? It's not actually. Is if there's any probability at all, is it is it hope? Right. Is that mm. you know. Yeah. Or, at, or at what point, um, or if you are passively hoping versus actively hoping, um, what is the difference between passive hope and optimism? Right. That's an interesting question because I think we in our in our culture, especially again, the connotation of hope is almost entirely positive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it's hard for us to get into the mind of people who would have. In an ancient time, so, you know, hope is both ways. I think that, and again, that the, be careful what you wish for. But as an as an act of an act of optimism, you can you can have optimism, or you can do something mm. with the optimism. You can you can have fear, or you can do something. About the fear, there's there's a, a yoga a sutra. Uh, a sutra is a an aphorism, a, a a a thought, a point of meditation. Whether it's a story or a line, there's a, a yoga sutra that's that says that um, the mis miserableness is with us. But if we if we hope that tomorrow will be less miserable, that that's an evasion. Because we're putting off till tomorrow, and, and gone with the wind, and the whole novel, right? The, the, the main character says, 
I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. So it's actively saying, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to talk. But if, but if you're miserable and say, well, I hope I'll be less miserable tomorrow, then, uh, and this is, it sounds easy and trite and privileged. And so I got to try to remove that. Is there anything that you can do with yourself or with others to make yourself less miserable in the moment? whether tomorrow comes or not. And I think that's kind of a tiny bit of what I was referencing with that anecdote a little, a little bit more. Okay, well, let's talk now. Yeah. And and and, and uh, talk about other things to take the mind away from the, you know, the, the pain. Okay. So, um, so passive hope versus optimism, um, essentially what we're sort of laying out, right? Mm -hmm is that optimism is uh so optimism is a is a passive state as well um i think it's different than hope i think optimism is more amorphous optimism is a nebula hope there's the no specific of sun coalescing out of the nebula okay yeah optimism i think optimism tends to be a a trait right you're you're applying the optimism to to everything mm -hmm. whereas hope is more specific even if you're passively hoping you're still generally hoping for something and you've right? got a target and that may be a goal <laughs> yeah <laughs> See, this is this is where it all webs together where you know, if you're genetically optimistic well i don't know if you can be genetically optimistic but i have a suspicion that you can be uh, people call it wearing rose-colored lenses and even if you say i'm not wearing rose-colored lenses yeah you are because you think it's going to turn out all right <laughs> and there's interesting uh there's interesting literature on that that people who are optimistic um tend to have worse outcomes when it comes to financial responsibility and um a few other metrics um whereas uh the, the studies that have been done on people who are hopeful tend to be more positive. So there is some, I don't think that it, it, there's not a lot of literature, but there's some basic literature that does separate optimism hmm. from hope in terms of the outcomes experienced by individuals. Optimism, you tend to have negative outcomes, right? And that's probably due to the fact that you're putting a positive spin on things that you should be viewing realistically. Whereas you meet hope, a bear and you say, hey, we can be friends. Yeah. Hey, he looks soft and fuzzy. We, he, I could probably make him a pet, right? Whereas hope is more saying, I hope that thing doesn't attack me, right? You're mm -hmm. operating from um, a base of, of realism or at least, um, you know, within a, a context of reality, whereas optimism tends to be, like you said, rose-colored glasses is probably the best yeah. sort of illustration. So what is the relationship between goals and meaning? And what does that say about hope? Well, ask a deep question, don't <laughs> you? What is the relationship between goals and meaning? Okay, I'm going to suggest something, and you can swat this down and, and modify the clay a whole lot. We, well, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've revealed this enough times. I'm something of an existentialist in believing that we make our own meaning. Uh, we find meaning through doing things, making art or music, those kind of things. So, 
So if I'm seeking meaning, I will um, actively sit still <laughs> and observe and let my mind wander and notice things that may lead me to write some poetry. Uh, the, the, the meaning might, uh, begin to emerge out of the, the essentially, uh, setting, setting without even realizing that I'm setting, you know, I, I, this is, this has happened recently. I've just, I've had a spate of writing some poems and, and I've enjoyed the process and some have come out of seeing something outside or some have come from a drawing and, and, uh, and I, I guess I set a goal. I'm going to write a poem right now. Okay. <laughs> and then write the poem. The, the person you talked to on the, the most recent podcast you were on this, this week was talking about the, the relatively quick turnaround of creative pieces for her. And I, I emphasized with that to some extent. The, um, I, I will create a piece of art. Um, and then, as my marvelous teacher wisely said, put it aside, think about it, come back to it. And over a period of days, I'll come back to it. Maybe there's some more I want to do to it. Maybe I want to chuck it out and make uh, and try it again. But within a relatively short time, uh, I come to a place where I'm, I, I, I like it. I find it intriguing. If it doesn't intrigue me, it's not a good piece of work for me. If it intrigues me because I'm seeing things in it, um, then that's when I put my initials on it. So I have the goal. I have a goal of, I guess, um, having it feeling intriguing to me, revealing something to me, um, being interesting. Um, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a goal that I started out with. It's a goal that I realized existed when I come to the end of the process. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I've, I've, um, as I like to do, jarringly put us into the the meta, right? Because <laughs> I think that our our conversation, right, is is uh, is leading us here. And I think that the thing that that caused me to want to ask this question mm -hmm. was this uh, sort of itchy feeling in my head that goes, "Can because as you're doing the research for the show, right, on hope, I keep seeing existentialist philosophers pop up, and I keep going." Can an existentialist actually have hope, right? Based off of the definitions of hope. Um, you know, there's a non-zero probability of something happening and then, you know, a, a desire for something to happen. Because existentialism, right, is sort of um, founded on this concept of, of the meaninglessness of things. And if, if something is meaningless, I, I'm... I'm trying to draw syllogism here that I'm will be unsuccessful in, but at least I hope we'll get into a ballpark where we can talk about it. Right? Your syllogism might be successful. Stop so, it. Do it. In order for there to be a goal, a goal must have meaning. And if hope must have a goal, then you can't be existentialist and have hope because there's no meaning. Oh, yes, you can, because the, the second part of your syllogism, the, the meaning that emerges out of the goal is your meaning. It's not a universal meaning. It's not a meaning for everyone. It's not trying to extend it to everyone. It's still an acknowledgement of 
the potential meaninglessness of the, of the universe, except to you. I see. Okay, I see where I've gone wrong because I've I've ascribed nihilistic properties to existentialists. Yeah. So that's yeah. where it was. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that that <laughs> but that was that was the interesting thought to me was okay. So if goals require meaning, and you know hope require goals, then so. It, you know, basically, but that, that's still an interesting conclusion, right? A nihilist, a nihilist cannot have hope. At least no. not in. Not in the sense that we think, but can I, can I, first, I don't know that I finished answering your question about meaning gold, but I think you did. I think you've taken us. This is where the Pandora story comes in for me. Mm. I find it very existential. <clears throat> uh, very, very briefly, of the Pandora story, which comes from an ancient writer, Hesiod, uh, who was ex essentially collecting the mythological the, the stories of the real then. And, and Pan there's a, a character named Prometheus. He steals fire. He takes it to humans. <coughs> he fools uh, Zeus. And, and as a result, uh, people are are much more um, self-sufficient, and the the gods are angry about this. The king of the gods has every one of the gods contribute a gift toward essentially a thing uh, that Hephaestus, the maker of weapons and uh, all things mechanical, Hephaestus fashions out of water and dirt a female. Thing they even the Hesiod uses the it and the thing the object, uh, and they call it Pandora, which which means all gifts. All of the gods give gifts uh, built in to this creature who is then sent to Epimetheus. Prometheus is relative. Epimetheus means uh, forgetful. <laughs> uh, Prometheus means foresightful. <laughs> And, uh, and Prometheus told Epimetheus, never accept a gift from the gods. But Epimetheus mm -hmm. is Epimetheus, so he accepts, he, he forgot. He, he accepts Pandora, and Pandora opens the jar. It's not a box. We've talked about this before. It's an amphora. It's a jar. And out of the jar comes all, all, come all kinds of, of disease, plague, despair <laughs> into the world. Lid is closed. Whether uh, that Pandora didn't choose to close the lid, that this is built into the programming. I argue that Pandora is a robot. That uh, as people like to blame Pandora like they blame Eve in the story. Although Pandora caused everything, no, the gods caused the problem. And <coughs> they, the last step in the King of the Gods' plan is to keep hope inside the jar. Hope is not in the world. Hope is in the jar. And so this is where it's existential for mm. me. Because if you take the jar to be your own internal, uh, the metaphor for one's internal self, that's where the hope is. But it's not out there because there's not meaning out there. There's just despair and glumness and doom. Well, then you, you form whatever goals you have, to use your terminology, and you, uh, and you arrive. So for me, the, the story is about making the meaning out of a universe that it utterly doesn't care. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was uh, 
fantastic episode. And I, I'd encourage mm. listeners to go back to because I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> and that was the interesting part that came out of that episode, which segues perfectly into my next question, uh, which was, is hope a positive or a negative state? Because we talk about that in that episode, yep. and it's very prevalent in the philosophical literature about hope in the past, right? So yes, this is where we get into that that sort of mind bending, <laughs> you, you approach the mirror and the image flips upside down yeah. part of the conversation, right? Because hope, like you said, colloquially in modern society, we always think of hope as being a positive thing. But when you start to examine um, your uh, positions on where meaning comes from. Is meaning ascribed by a higher being? Is it built into the fabric of the universe? Does it only exist in your subjective perspective? Hmm. Then which of those things you choose and then how you go about hoping for things has a, a very important effect on whether hope is a positive or a negative. You know the phrase hope against hope? Yeah. What do you what do you take that to be? I hope against hope that dot dot dot. What do you what do you make of that? That's a really interesting one, right? Because you're using the same word, but you're you're pitting it against itself. So you're hoping against hope. So in in order for that sentence to have any meaning, for it to not cancel out, one version of hope has to be positive and one has to be negative. Yeah, yeah. And and so, if we hope and hope is trapped in the jar, it's an act of defiance. <laughs> it's it's an act of subversion. It's an act against the gods <laughs> essentially saying you can lock away all you want to and you can throw out against us everything you want i choose to live as a human being despite you that's what i find in, in that and, and so hoping against hope to me is is going right back to the ancient word elpis which means both <laughs> and uh and capturing that in a very um clever way yeah, and, and I think that it plays out um, interestingly in, in our reality, right? Why does goal-directedness like hope confer benefits to us physiologically and psychologically if it may be illusory, right? <laughs> Why? Why does that work? Is it, you know... <laughs> does it give us adrenal pumping? Does it give us more hormones? Does it give, uh, you know, the physiology better than I. I know a little bit of layperson physiology about that. And, and the studies seem to indicate that yes, it does, but not wish fulfillment. That doesn't yeah. make us hope because again, it's an active and it's not an automatic kick in optimistic system where we just, Oh, well, I was born an optimist. I'll just be an optimist. No, it's not that. It's choice. <laughs> yeah, I think that if you look at it, right, optimism, like we talked about, has tends to have negative outcomes. And I think that's because, in, like we talked about, an optimist ignores um, certain aspects of an equation and acts as if things are going to be good. And then when things aren't accounted for, there's negative 
circumstances. Hmm. And I think with wish fulfillment, that one's interesting, right? If you look at lottery winners, right? Most of these people who win the lottery, they end up more broke than they were before winning the prize two years later, right? And so I think that that says something about the active effortfulness that that's required to obtain a goal. If you if you are just um, you know presented with a a, a bounty, um, but you haven't put any any effort towards gaining it, then in many cases it appears that humans are very bad at knowing how to make use of it or the value of it. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So even if you, this is the trick. No, this is the, the wild part. Even if you don't gain the bounty, you're still healthier. Yeah. Even if you can't live much longer, you still are healthier in mind and heart because you embraced um, hope. That, that's for me why it's an act of div- it's yeah. about achieving the thing it's interesting right because i think that it's it's sort of analogous to um for instance like um recreational drug use versus meditation mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. in 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 some cases <clears throat> those things might affect the brain in similar ways right if you can do a deep meditative state you might have a a psychedelic or hallucinating type experience that is similar to being on recreational drugs. But the reason that you're getting there is because you're activating certain brain pathways that are strengthening your mental health. Whereas with drug use, you're just flooding unsuspecting neurons with dopamine and serotonin that can actually end up killing off some of those, of some of those pathways and having detrimental effects in the future. So it's not so much the end as the mean in this case. And I think that that might be um, evolutionarily adaptative in some ways, right? Because, be. you know, you, you, you shouldn't just want to sit around and hope something good's going to happen or take a shortcut to something good happening. Um, you should be active. You should be working towards something. And like you said, even if you don't get to that thing, the working towards is enough to exercise the physical and mental muscles. The failure is enough to teach you a lesson about how to act next well, time, how to direct to the goals, the how, what to hope story. For. See yes. how to direct the goals. Exactly. How to achieve failure, how to, <laughs> how to receive the boon of failure or the unexpected, the, the boon you, you steal from the gods or receive is not necessarily what you expected, and you take it back to your your community, which you can no longer join because you have to go out on quest again because you can't be that person yeah. anymore. Yeah, so this has been an excellent conversation, and I've got one more thing that I want to bring up, and if it doesn't work out, I'll just cut it from the episode, and this will be the end. The listeners won't know any better. If it does work out, they'll know that sometimes we cut out stuff. But in reading about hope, right, an interesting thing that I came across was the debate among philosophers about hope being only a future-oriented concept, right? Hmm. Because think about how we use it in regular everyday language, right? If somebody died a horrible death, right, I'll say, 
I hope that they didn't suffer, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, whatever the case. You So we use language to say that we hope about things in the past. Do you believe that that's hope or do you believe it's a misapplication of language? I believe <coughs> that it's hope. It's hope projected through the lens of what we know about or what we think we know currently about time. Because when we say, I hope that they didn't suffer for a moment in our heads, we are living in three spaces, past, present, and future. It already took place, but we're reenacting. But we're not reenacting, we're imagining. Mm. And we don't want to imagine too hard because it's too ugly, but we imagine out of empathy. And out of empathy arises hope. Two, I hope this is where the Marxist, um, theological comes, comes in to, to liberate the, the desperate masses. I hope that they can have a better life, even though now they're not having a better life. And in the past, they didn't have a better life. So somehow there's this, this three past, present, and future happening in this thing that you described. And that's why I call it hope because it's hoping into the future of something that already took place. Yes. Yes. And this is an excellent, excellent foreshadowing for next week's episode. When we talk about Carlo Rovelli's book, white holes, because, um, yes, this idea of the temporal direction of hope as for some reason, disqualifying it, I think is discredited because if you hope for something in the past, there is the uncertainty about what took place. Yeah. So you can't say for sure. And so it, there is a low but non-zero probability and a desire. So I, I agree with you. I think that it is hope. And uh, I think that it's going to uh, that we're going to get into some very interesting stuff we next week talking about white holes. So until next time, keep hunting.